0: joined in studio by two ladies mother and daughter who are renowned traditional Irish musicians they come from tolle and over the years, they have achieved so much in their music life, travelling to many parts of the country and indeed the world, and also one of whom received the Gratham Cure TG Catter Young Musician of the Year Award. So to tell us more on this, we're joined by Mary McNamara and Sorica Kostlo. Mary and Sorica, you're very welcome.
1: Hello, Gerald. Thank you for having us. You're Thank you.
0: Very, you're very welcome to be here. Um, so, Mary, I might start with you. Um, tell us about how, how you got into traditionalised music. From a young age, you were very steeped in it.
1: Yeah, well, I suppose I grew up in a house that was um, very um, full of music. Both my parents um, were were, um, very fond of music, particularly my mother, I think. She came from a household. She came from Ennison, County Clare, and um, everybody in her house played music. Both her parents played, and it was a great house uh, to visit.
0: So it was a foregone conclusion, really, that you would... Progress into well, it's I
1: think it happened naturally. Yeah. I mean, there wasn't yeah. any plan. But yeah. um, I suppose my mother was always um, dieting tunes and singing, and she was a step dancer herself. And I suppose one of my earliest memories is of her talking about the musicians who used to visit her house when she was a, a child growing up. And um, I suppose it was very natural then just to kind of fall into the whole. Thing.
0: And why you play the concertina?
1: I think it was accidental. Well, To be quite honest with you, I started out as an accordion player, as did my oh, two right. brothers. Okay. Yeah, yeah. And, and Vincent Griffin was our teacher. Okay. So Vincent used to come to Tullow one day a week. I think it was a Monday evening, and he taught a lot of the local children. And it happened to be accordions that were given to us at the time. And um, the famous story is my grand aunt was a very my grand aunt on my mother's side, Minnie Murphy, was a very well known concertina player in the area of Kilmele and um, she had stopped playing concertina in her later years due to arthritis okay, but my okay. father was very anxious to get her going there because we used to visit every Sunday in um, in the evening time we'd visit her in Kilmele and a lot of the talk would be about music and that so my father went off and bought her a concertina in Limerick in Savins he bought her a two row honer a CF concertina and gave it to her. Would to that try be a very
0: special type of concertina? It was
1: the only the only concertina that you could buy oh, okay, at the time. Okay, right, right, right. And um, but of course she found it very stiff, and it would have been very stiff. Cardboard bellows, yes, you know, yes, hard to move. Yes. And she said, "Give it to the young lads, and they'll loosen it out for me." The young lads were my two brothers and I at the time, and we came home with the concertina. I took the concertina, and I'm playing it since.
0: Very good, very good. And uh, a recent uh, Claire Champion uh, interview you did there uh, a couple of years ago, um, to quote what you said, you said, down through the years I have enjoyed playing music in all formats and combinations, sessions, duets, trios, groups, but solo playing has always been where I considered a musician's soul is discovered. Can you explain what you mean by that?
1: Well, I find solo playing, for me, it's um, when I play, if I'm on stage on my own, I play from my heart. Um, I play I play what I feel about the music. I deliver that. I try, in, try and engage with the listener, and I try to sell my story through music to the listener. And I find that um, it's my only comfort when I am playing on my own is to try and bring it really from inside and deliver it out and get that person who's listening, whether it's one, three, or 300 people or 1,000 people, to engage with me through my music. Okay. So solo playing for me is... That's what it means.
0: Yes, yes. And at what point in your life, Mary, did, uh, did you progress in traditional music? When, when did it really start for you?
1: Mm, I would say when I made my first recording in 1994. Like I've been playing since I, since yes. I was about nine yes. years of age. Yes. And I went to live in Dublin in 1978. And I got very involved in the music scene in Dublin. And um, Clada Records approached me and asked me to do a solo recording. Because they were quite interested in my style of music. And um I suppose it was it was nice to be approached by by a record company because they mm. do all the work for you. So I went in and I made that recording. And P. Joe Hayes and Martin Hayes did a couple of tracks with me as well because I used to play a lot. Martin and I were duet partners for years and um it was very natural for us to meet and play tunes and we would have had a repertoire Known to both of us, that was very natural. So we recorded that album in Cladder Records in Dublin in 1994.
0: Yeah, yeah, no, and I, I suppose it, well, if Fiekel um, it was 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 one was one place that you that you used to always go uh, yeah. from the early years playing traditional music, um, but many would know Lina's bar in Fecal And back in twenty twenty two, you wanted to honour and celebrate the musicians who nurtured your talent, and your your book launched last year called Sundays at Lina's I suppose vividly recalls the welcoming atmosphere created by the late uh, Lena Hanrahan and the joy of the community coming together to mm. play music uh,
1: This was a very special
0: project for me and it was something
1: that I've been wanting to do for a long time and um, as children Sunday after Mass uh, we would go to Lena's in Fecal and mm. my father was the person who encouraged that and he would pick up Bill Malley and Joe Pan on the way and um, it was all about the session the people who came there um, the music, the um, friendships. Um, it was music, it was dancing, and it would go on for a few hours. And it was a very special, special part of uh, my upbringing as a as a young musician. So I learned a huge amount from listening to the musicians during those years. And eventually, when we were able to play, we played with them, mm-hmm. and continued to learn mm-hmm. learn their repertoire. Mm-hmm. Fortunately, my father recorded a lot of the music from these musicians, and we had them on cassette tapes at home. And in later years, we would love to go to those recordings, listen to them. You could hear the atmosphere in the room at the time when when you'd be listening to the music. And we started going back to playing the versions of tunes that they played then. And I said, it would be lovely to have this uh, documented in some way. So I got all the stuff transcribed and put it into a book and just told my story around the Sundays at Lina's.
0: Mm-hmm. And, uh, by, and by creating this book last year, um, I, I read a bit of it and it's, it's fantastic. Mm-hmm. Um, but would it be fair to say it was important to keep the East Clare repertoire going?
1: that was the real reason that I did it because you know the tunes you know like everything else they mutate they change they do. all the time they do. They do. and um, to be able to go back to these their are standard versions of tunes but they just had lovely little variations in them often created by themselves because they would have learned them by ear and might not have been able to remember some passages and would have created little passages themselves mm-hmm. um, some of the tunes would have been um, depending on concertinas that were only kind of like C and F they'd, they'd, they'd be restricted in some keys so some of the keys got changed a little bit or it might have been c sharps left out or b flats left out and uh, what was wrong became started to sound right after a while and Mm. all of a sudden it became a feature of the tune a style and um it was a great joy to transcribe this stuff and put it on paper um when you play it when you look at it you say, "Oh my God, that that sounds yeah. looks a little bit strange." But when you play it, and um, particularly if you listen to the recordings, you can see how special it is. Yes, yes, yes. Um, I do. I do say that you need to know the style and be familiar with the with the whole area and the and whole. area is renowned
0: for a particular. Size, it is, isn't it? Yeah, yeah, and I yeah. think
1: it's just not that a stranger would pick up the book and play a, no, t- a tune no. out of yeah. the book just. Yeah. Like, but to understand it, and to, I certainly get great pleasure from playing the tunes yeah. that we learned Actually, in those times. That's, that's fantastic. Mm.
0: And uh, before I get to you, Sir, okay, in a minute, um, you've you've toured, as you said, with Martin Hayes mm-hmm. from the Toilet Band. And uh, correct me if I'm wrong, but you were with a group called Macalla, is it? Macalla. Macalla. Yeah. Macalla, tell us about that.
1: Um, Macalla, uh, we'll be celebrating our 40th anniversary um, next March on International Women's Day.
0: Okay.
1: It was the day that we formed 40 years ago. And um, the group was mostly driven by shows from Kerry. We were a group of women, 30 in number, and we were all living in Dublin at the time. So we'd all come from different backgrounds, Donegal, Cork, Clare, Limerick, Galway. Yeah,
0: all so over the place. All yeah. over the yeah. place.
1: So it was a lovely thing to do, to gather these women who were all working, studying in Dublin at the time. And um, we all brought something to the group. So we had singers and musicians, and the repertoire that we played, we made two records with Gaelin at the time, and the the choice of repertoire was very interesting because there was something different in every piece that we played because I would have brought something from Miss Claire Maureenia Vwenig was in the group yes, she brought yes. a lot of stuff from Donegal and again
0: um, very different styles in not it very yeah. different
1: completely different and now there was a very strong fiddle um, core in that group I think we had about 10 fiddles and they were very much the heart of the group only one concertina. I was the only concertina player. Um, I think we two or three flutes, and we had singers. And
0: how would you amalgamate the different styles of music from different parts of the country? Because, as you said, they were all from different parts.
1: Yeah, we were. Well, we just picked the middle of the road. Okay. And we focused on if we were playing Highlands from Donegal, we focused on the Donegal style, and Moray Mara- would lead it. Okay. If okay. we were playing um, East Clare reels, I would lead
0: it. Okay. okay. And you okay. know, and that
1: was our that was the, the focus of our practice. Yes. Yeah. Yes. And, yes. And um, it worked very well, and it was. It it was a great weed I think we toured for about three or four years and it was great fun. Um, we really enjoyed ourselves and we were very well received. I think the fact that there was 30 women on stage and particularly going back then to the mid-80s, that was probably a different thing to do.
0: Fantastic, fantastic. sarika good morning to you. Morning, Dara. You're very welcome to the studio here in Scarif. Um, tell us, sarika uh, first of all, about growing up on Main Street in Tulla.
2: Yeah, well... Uh, We had an open door on Main Street in Tala. I think anybody um, who's from Tala or has visited would know that. So I grew up in a house that was very open and uh, always welcomed people in. So I grew up where I had musicians calling to the house all the time. Uh, Of all different backgrounds, uh, which was really, really wholesome environment to grow up in. And uh, I suppose my eyes were opened to music from all over the world at a very young age, which was wonderful. So, uh, yeah, very social upbringing.
0: Yeah. And at what point? I mean, mean, from an early age, a very early age, I think was at the age of two, you started playing traditional Irish music. Is that right?
2: Well, no, not quite. I, I think I got my f- first fiddle at about three. Oh, so three, okay. I had right. seen very a young, fiddle. though. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> but I probably didn't start actually um, learning it until I was about four. Okay. okay. Uh, I think I used to maybe bring it along to the sessions mm. and sit there yeah. um, and right. listen.
0: It's a start, yeah? Yeah.
2: yeah. Well, I think that's. Um, I think I probably started learning from day one because. There was never a silent moment in the house because no. in the house we run the music school, and at the time, mom was teaching every day, and the music was seeping in, whether I wanted it to or not. So when I finally did get the fiddle, I think it was a very natural process yes, for me to transfer yes, what yes. was already in my head onto the fiddle.
0: Um And really, uh, your 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 traditional Irish music. Life, I suppose, started really when you 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 went to Australia at the age of 11 and you performed with your mother at a university over there. That must have been a fantastic experience.
2: Yeah, it really was. Um, we made that trip when I was 11 and it was a mixture of both, you know, a holiday but also a few pretty big and substantial uh, concerts along the way, and um, that was that
0: was big for you. Now, at a young age, wasn't it?
2: It was, but I had I had done a good bit of performing before that as well. Uh, my first solo performance being in Shet- in the Shetland Islands, at eight, mm. um, and that was uh, I suppose I, I wasn't aware at the time how significant that was and how much it would stand to me, you know, that experience. But um, I suppose then the same thing with Australia. I, I wasn't so aware at the time what a substantial musical moment it was in my life. But when I look back on it, it's a phenomenal thing, really.
0: Mm-hmm. And I suppose let's talk about the influence of your parents because I believe your father, Kevin, he was uh, a singer, is that right? And uh, he fixed concertinas, was it?
2: Yeah, he fixes and and makes concertinas Oh, as he well still does, with, okay. With uh, Ralph Shim, okay. uh, Yeah, he does. Be-
0: because, I mean, how in? influential were they in your musical development, and were they relaxed enough uh, in you getting into traditional house music? They weren't. They weren't very pushy or anything like that into getting into music, was it?
2: No. They, well, they didn't have to push me. I yeah. think it, it was the environment I grew up yes, in, so yes. it was just part of life. Yes. And uh, I think that it, yeah, it was very organic, and the music just went in by osmosis. Yes. I mean, when I got to a certain age, I think as everybody does, as maybe an early teenager, I went through a phase of. You know, probably preferring not to practice, um, where maybe I did get the push that I needed from yes. mom and dad. Yes. But in general it was a very organic process.
0: And at the time was was <laughs> traditional music quite popular among among your age cohort at the time, or was it was it seen as not cool in a way as such?
2: It depended on the um the group I was hanging out with. I mean I had a lot of friends within Irish music And within, of course, within that group, it was the coolest thing ever. And we had so many friends from around the country um, who were really, really into it and loved it. But at the same time, I don't think it was as popular as it is today, where no matter where you go, it's uh, an advantage to you. It's seen as an advantage and as a cool thing to be doing. Because we see now there's
0: a a popular... Uh, there's, a, there's a positive trend in, in terms of the popularity now these days big amongst time. very young people, isn't there?
2: Yeah, big time. Oh, it's it's definitely the thing to be doing now. And yeah. it's I, I probably would have, amongst certain groups, been hiding the fact that I was an Irish musician. Okay, um, right, right. You know, I, yeah. I went to school in Limerick and I was probably the only traditional musician in the school. Oh my, yeah, um, yeah. And just in situations like that. But I, once I got back to my, my own core group, uh, I was I was comfortable in it, you know. And I
0: suppose when it came to your leaving cert, had you any inkling as to what you wanted to do? Was it definitely go down the music route?
2: I think at the time I wasn't really sure. Um, I knew that music would always be a huge part of my life performance-wise, but I think, you know, I was quite young and I think... At that stage, it's quite hard to make such a big decision. Mm.
0: Um, oh, so it is. Yes, yeah, yeah. So yeah.
2: I went with music and and English literature in, in UCC, and it was great. But you know, taking that further to the music therapy um, masters was definitely the right move for me because I knew I wanted to sort of have uh, an element of my life that was more of a a nine to five job where I was you know and a very rewarding job as well mm-hmm. and then keep my performance in music separate to that.
0: And can we just talk about that uh, what is music therapy for those that wouldn't know what it is?
2: Um it's it's there's a lot to it but very briefly it's the use of specific musical interventions by a trained music therapist to achieve non-musical goals. Most of the time. So, in general, I work. So, we're talking about
0: mental health and all that sort of thing. Yeah, mental
2: health, special needs, palliative care, dementia, you know, uh, every, every, it's, it can be used in every area.
0: Very rewarding, is it?
2: It's really, really rewarding work. And, um, you know, it's, it can be tough work and it can be challenging, but really rewarding. And, you know, after a day, you really feel like you've done something yeah. good for the world, so yeah. that's really, really lovely.
0: Now, like, like, like uh, your mother Mary here, um, you're, you're also you were part of different groups over the years. And uh, would I be right in saying that you were a member of the Provenance group? Was that right?
2: The Provenance, which yeah. was
0: led by Frankie Gavin. That's yeah. correct. Tell yeah. us about that.
2: Yeah. So um, when
0: did it start? Or.
2: I, I could have been about 10 years ago I'd say mm. where it started first when I was um I was playing out at the Cork Folk Festival I think and uh I happened to be playing a few tunes in uh, the Castle Inn in Cork and Frankie Gavin was in the same pub and we played a few tunes together and uh he said you know by any chance would you have any interest in getting a few fiddle players together and sort of having a fiddle band okay um with two accompanists, so it ended up being myself and Aidy Newachin and Kieran Nivreen and Frankie on all four of us on fiddles. And then uh, Brian McGrath and George Grasso on uh, bazooki. And And
0: did you go across the country with that or the world with that? Uh,
2: We did a good few gigs around the country. Um, We didn't do a huge amount, but you know, the odd time we... We get together here and yeah, there, yeah, yeah. Um, but yeah, it was it was a lovely experience
0: at the time. You're still together, are you? Uh,
2: not really. Well, it's not that we're together or not. We sort of play randomly here and there together. But
0: yeah, yeah, yeah. But sure like any any group over time. Everyone does their own thing, and
2: that's it. Yeah. And you know, we're all sort of very busy, and as yes, of course, uh, you of know, course, individual yes. professional musicians yes, as well, doing our own yes, thing. So yes. um,
0: yeah. Um, so I suppose, uh, uh, sorry, um Very recently, well, two years ago now at this stage, uh, you were awarded with the prestigious Gradham QLTG Young Musician of the Year. How did that come about and what was your reaction when you you heard that you were getting that award?
2: Um, Well, I don't know how it came about. Well... It's it's not something that you can apply for or ask okay, for okay, or right, anything okay. like that. It's not a competition. I we'll would okay. say it's well, so it was a
0: surpri- surprise to you in a way. So oh,
2: absolutely, one hundred percent. It's 100%. it's something that is decided amongst um, I suppose a group of my peers. Uh, it's a committee who meet up. I think at Willie Clancy every year, and um, they they choose you know everybody brings their own opinions to the table For, there's lots of different categories in the Graham Quill you know there's musician of the year composer of the year all of that and then there's the young musician of the year so it's a sort of a, a mutual decision amongst all of them okay and then i got i get a call randomly i remember i was actually just after getting my uh, covid vaccine Oh, right, All okay, right. So right. unwell, and okay. it was about. It was really late. It was half ten at night, and I got that a. That really
0: lifted up your spirit. So did it? Yeah, yeah,
2: yeah. It really did. But I remember feeling so unwell, and I wanted to have a, a drink to celebrate when I got <laughs> the news, and I actually wasn't able. <laughs> um, but yeah, and then I had to not tell anybody for two or three yes, months. That's, which that's is very the other difficult. side of the two, isn't it? <laughs> yeah,
0: yeah, yeah. And and talk to me about the day uh, that you that you received the award. Um, I actually watched uh, you on stage that time. In fantastic. Uh, Thank you. Um tell tell me about that uh, what how how, how how was the whole atmosphere there at the uh, on the day
2: It was amazing. Um, it was I suppose it was still during COVID, so I wasn't really able to bring too many people with me, so it was basically just immediate family um I have mom and dad um, Whereas well, if
0: it was normal circumstances you would probably bring the whole the whole well, the whole exactly, of the, yeah, yeah there was yeah. a
2: maximum of 100 people allowed okay. at the event okay. and that included everybody's family and guests and TV crew and everything so uh it was it was i suppose reduced to what the garden queue would normally be yes, you know yes, as a live yes, event yes. but it was still did not a take away from the um the honour of receiving it, you know, and I was so lucky to uh, be presented with my award from, of course, Frankie Gavin, which was, you know, wonderful for me and to be surrounded on stage by my family.
0: And and would it be fair to say, too, that it was quite personal to you receiving the award from Frankie Gavin because it wasn't like he was a stranger to to tell you. You knew him way in advance before this.
2: Yeah, absolutely. And I think when I was about 16, 15 or 16, I went for uh, a sort of a once-off workshop with Frankie Gavin fiddle class, and uh, you got
0: on well together, didn't you? Yeah, yeah. But yeah. it was a
2: changing point in my in my opinion of music and okay. how I played and what um, it sort of just changed my mindset on, on playing the fiddle and it opened my eyes to a lot of other doors. So um, he would have been one of my main influences. So it was really a huge honour to have him present me with mm-hmm. the
0: award. Mm-hmm. Mary, listening to that, there you must be very proud of Sorica.
2: I am
1: indeed, and um, she's talking there about. She said she started learning at four. I can tell you at two, and we have pictures to prove it. Sorka carried the fiddle everywhere with her, and. My mother was a very wise woman. She used to say to me, even when Zorka was a very small baby in the Pram, she'd say that lady was here before
3: <laughs>
1: and she showed great talent from a very early age, before ever even she played music. She showed talent in a lot of areas and I am very proud of her yeah. and yeah. I'm I'm very um more than proud I, I I trust her at anything that she will do. She always comes up tops and it's great to have a daughter that you can sit on stage and play with and yes. and that you can also sit in the audience and enjoy. Yes, yes, yes. To.
0: And listen, uh, you're going to play a tune for us now in a minute, but uh Mary and Sarika you both uh, have have music classes in Tullagh. So Mary, would you like to tell us about your classes? For someone who's listening who may want to join your classes, what's the age category that they can join and all that?
1: Um... All the way up from six, six. to uh, as I have a lot of adults who come to me as well. Um, six, seven is the usual starting. Well, maybe seven is probably the is probably the recommended age. However, there are children out there who like Zarko who can start at four, yes. depending. And a lot of a lot has to do with the musical support that that is at home. Mm. You know, if mm. if if the parents are behind the child, if they're they can, eager to if get they're them eager, yeah, yes. and, and keep them practicing that. Yes. Um, I do a lot of teaching for pleasure at the moment. I have. Um, I used to. To do f- a lot of flat training, um, KD bands, right, yes, individuals, yes, yes. groups, trios, and I've retired from that just before COVID. So I am still teaching, and I want to get that message out there. How, I do, am how did you teaching. find that
0: adjustment now? Not not teaching flat oh, groups. Oh uh, well,
1: a huge relief to be quite honest Is it? Okay, with you. Right, yeah, because uh, you don't the, miss it so. I don't. I Well, I probably there are aspects of it I miss, okay, but I don't okay. miss the hard work. Okay, okay. Um, it's huge work, and uh, the preparation alone was hours and hours before you'd start mm-hmm. teaching mm-hmm. and you know you have several students and everybody wants to win in all ireland so you, you're trying to win several All irelands in one year and it's trying to get people to the st- up to that standard you know it's very tough work but very enjoyable i learned a lot from the whole process myself now I'm teaching music for pleasure. I love to take in beginners and start people off and get them on the road and give them a good foundation. I'm working a huge amount with adults from all over the world because I have people working by Zoom, I have people who visit you know, who might be visiting from America or Poland or France and they will call by and take some classes. And um there is a great um friendship as well with these people and it's it's nice so it's all very enjoyable now so it's music
0: for pleasure very good and sorry like uh, like mary there uh, what is what is the the age cohort that can join your field glasses is it six upwards again
2: I suppose it is, but as as mom said, you know some some children are are,
0: are just naturally born to play yeah, at a younger yeah. age again. Uh, the fiddle yes.
2: is is a different story is, because you is. need an awful lot of coordination do, going. And now I have had children who've started very early and have been very successful. But it is, as mom said, it's very important that there's the parent support from behind. You know, with the starting process anyway, because it's more than just music. It's actually the physical process of actually holding an instrument as well. Um, but I also uh, just want to mention before we yeah, finish sure, up that I have sure. a new solo fiddle album. Yes,
0: I forgot to mention this. The Primrose Last is it? The Primrose yes. Last. Tell yes. us where people can purchase that. Yes,
2: yeah, so it's available as a digital copy on Bandcamp. Um, to buy or you can buy it in Custy's, Custy's music shop okay, very good. it's also available in Powell's music shop in Galway um, or you can come up to me personally if if uh, you see me around the place and I also hope to be doing a few more album launches around the place I'll be doing one in Galway maybe Dublin as well so keep an eye out for them
0: as well fantastic fantastic. so we're in for a treat now you're going to play us a tune Yeah. Um, what would you like to introduce the piece that you're going to play for us now Mary, um, we'll let you, we'll let you this, introduce
1: uh, it. This piece goes back to Martin Hayes and myself. Okay, and okay. Um, we actually recorded this in 1981 on wow. a television programme. Wow. And um, it's actually up there on YouTube. The first tune is John Nocton's Reel. And uh, John was a lovely concertina player who came from Kilclaren, just above Fecal. Mm-hmm. And um, his tunes are played all over the world, to be quite honest with you. It's not a tune he composed, but it's a tune he played. And I'm not sure of the original name, but I think during my research for the book, that one name that possibly came up is The Beauties of Limerick, but it's better known as John Nocton's Reel. And the one to follow that is Cohn's Memories. Yeah,
0: very good, very good. So when you're ready, ladies, take take it away.